Hey guys, Scott Short back here again. My license number is in MLS number 225998. Our corporate number for Mason Murphy Mortgage is 114, well, NMLS number 1141. So I'm going to get that out of the way. So we're back in Linda Ferrari's great book called The Big Score, Getting and Keeping It. We're back in chapter 19 and want to go ahead and start getting back where we were. So we stopped off at on short sales and it's been a bit, so I apologize. So short sales, AKA pre foreclosures is what people call it for a cleaner word, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Let's go forward. The best options in short sale, which occurs when a bank or mortgage lender agrees to discount a loan balance due to an economic hardship or part of, on the part of the homeowner. So what that means to you in English is that if you owe, let's say $300,000 on a loan and your house is only worth 200,000, you're, typ you're stereotypically are one way to say you're upside down, you owe more than it's worth, right? So in this case, the lender is going to, if you have a true hardship, you can't afford the payment anymore. They're going to basically do like a loan application on you, but now you got to be turned down for the loan, right? It means you can't qualify for a loan anymore, not be qualified for a loan. So that's what short sale is all about. You have to show financial hardship, not that you say, well, I don't want this house no more or anymore. That's not a bad word. <laughs> no more. <laughs> you don't want it anymore. So um, let's keep going from what Linda says. Homeowner sells the mortgage the homeowner sells the mortgage property for less than the outstanding balance on the loan and turns over the proceeds of the sale to the lender in full satisfaction of the debt. In such instances, the lender would have the right to approve or disapprove the proposed sale. So that's why when, if you do a short sale on a property that you must put in there, this is subject to the lender's approval, not just the seller's approval of the sale. It's got to be the lender's approval of the sale because the lender's got to prove that big loss on their books. So that's what that's about. So let's keep going forward. A short sale is typically executed to prevent a home foreclosure. So that you don't want to go through the whole foreclosure process of you know timelines and attorneys and everything else. So it saves a lot of money for the lender in most cases, but not all cases. That's what they're saying here. Lenders often choose to allow the short sale if they believe it that it, it will result in a smaller financial loss than foreclosure, which I just said. For the homeowner, the advantage includes avoidance of having a foreclosure on their credit, eh, kind of, uh, credit history. Additionally, a short sale is typically faster and less expensive than a foreclosure. So what they're saying is that when on your credit report, it's going to show a, um, price, probably going to say pre-foreclosure. Remember on credit reports that they only see, you know, data being, you know, ones and zeros, basically. They don't understand words. So from a lending standpoint is we've got to prove to the computer system for somebody who's had a short sale in the past, we've got to prove to the system that it was a short sale, not a foreclosure, because there are there are different waiting periods for somebody in a short sale versus a foreclosure to get back in the game. Example with uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, it's a four-year wait for a short sale. It's a seven-year wait for a foreclosure. FHA, I believe, is uh, I think about three years. <laughs> so um, you know, it's, that's that way. Different lenders play different games in reference to the loan product and their risk you want to take. So that's what they're looking for: difference between a foreclosure and a short sale. And usually you'll see on your, your um, uh, property profile, this basically gives you the, the details of your property's history of sale and all that stuff. It'll show on there that instead of going from, <clears throat> instead of going from uh, you to a, uh, back to the bank or Fannie Mae or whoever, it'll go to another party and you'll see, you know, difference in the, you know, the loan amount is going to be <laughs> lower than the you know, sales price. So you kind of read it. We got, as a lender, we must prove beyond a shadow of a doubt it was a short sale, not a foreclosure. And that's the way we play. So here we go. How does a short sale affect the borrower's credit? In the wake of the devastating mortgage crisis of 2008, short sales are becoming extremely common. Remember this book was written back in 08, 07, 08, so that's why they're saying it's common. <laughs> right now it's not common, maybe, hope we don't see it again, but hey, 
you know, we're cyclical, so we'll, we'll probably see it. Let's keep going forwards. In fact, the backlog of cases has forced lenders to pri prioritize their caseload. The large, this, uh, this largely means that the homeowners have to be in default to get their, to get their attention. So what that means in English is that uh, and back in this time, they're so buried, buried, buried with trying to get all the you know, foreclosure and short sales done that in some cases, they were, you were told, which is not legal, to uh, tell you to stop making payments so you can actually uh, you know, have a short sale looked at, meaning that um, the lender doesn't believe you until you actually miss some payments. And they start going, oh gosh, I believe you now. <laughs> there is a theory out there for short sales called imminent uh, default, which means that you are robbing Peter and Paul, meaning you're picking money from everywhere, your, your 401k plans, all your money from different places to keep above water, keep making your payments. But at some point, that money's gonna run out. So the lenders is supposed to see that but during the market when it's so crazy and everybody's just melting that they were not acknowledged that as far as I know, but they could. But uh, most people I talked to said, no, you had to, have, you had to miss a pain for them talk to you about a you know, short sale, which eh, it's more devastating to the credit, but hey, you know, we roll forwards. Let's see, uh, this, this is unfortunate because late pays can cause serious drops in credit report, or credit score, I should say, right? So back on, so now page 220, still in chapter 19. This is 19. The good news is the borrower who choose the short sale options show that they are exhausting every effort to pay the loan, which I just said. The borrower has willingly committed to taking on months of emotional, physical stress in the short, in the good grief, good goods, good grief, <laughs> good faith effort to sell the property to maintain a good relationship with the lender. Most likely, the borrower or borrowers are unable to pay their current mortgage balance or uh, mortgage because they had an adjustable product. Um, those adjustable products were talking about option arms that went from uh, being oh so easy peasy to make, and then they blew up and went crazy because they were designed to be for people who can make additional payments in uh, you know good times and not make additional payments in in bad times, right? So the option arms were designed where you had a less than interest only payment was really super low because if you're paying less than interest, that's pretty damn scary, right? But at some point, your loan, what they call uh, basically went backwards. So basically if you're paying less than interest, so interest gotta be added onto your loan. So there's a point, your loan's gonna keep going up as you miss, you know, you're not missing, but you're not paying the full interest payment. So the money you're not paying goes on top of your loan. So at a point, your loan goes backwards so high that they say, okay, at that point, like I think sometimes like 110% of the loan, when you hit that click, then they got rid of the, the, the minimum payment, the less than interest owed payment went away. You have interest only, and you had uh, 30 and 15 left, right? So even the interest-only payment was pretty much choking some people, or most people got choked out because that was just a horrible product that was you know, totally misused. And that's in that conversation. Let's keep going forward. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, well, most likely the borrower, we just read that part, so I say this, uh, this type of situation doesn't mean that they can't afford a different loan pro program with a lower payment, which leads to me to wonder what the incentive is for a lender to report short sales to the credit bureau. All they would be doing is cutting off a pretty substantial future income stream if they put these types of borrowers out of the market for years. So what they're saying there is that when you, like I said earlier, that when you do get a short sale of foreclosure, there is a waiting period before you can jump back into the game. So it's like you put on timeout. <laughs> Let's see what I lost. Where did I go to? Oh my gosh. I'm trying to finish where I lost. Okay. With, with this in mind, negotiations for a non-report on short sale and also the removal of late pay due to the lender not being able to pro, uh, process a short sale fast enough 
it was well worth pursuing in a common, uh, completely legal. Okay, here we go. Here are the credit report options to preferred order. So first should be having to show it as paid as agreed. Won't hurt the score at all as long as the borrower has kept payments current. Second one's going to be unrated, may drop off a few points. Then it says pay, uh, paid, paid settlement, which is stereotypical for a short sale. It's supposed to be paid settlement. I mean, you, you basically paid them less than you owed them, right? Credit reports will drop 50 to 150 points. If a report is, let's say, if, if reported as paid settled settlement, uh, the item will remain on the credit report for seven and a half years from the date of the first late pay that led to the paid settlement uh, um, category, you want to call it, I guess. That's a clean word, I guess. See chapter 14 under when does the chapter seven, oh, sorry, when does the seven, yeah, chapter seven, huh? wrong conversation. When does the seven-year reporting period start? That's the, you go back to chapter 14, we talked about that a while back. How does, so here's the next, next uh, pair, uh, subject. How long before you can buy another home after a short sale? The current guidelines for Fannie and Freddie Mac state, that's back in 2008, you had to wait you know, two years from the date of the short sale proceeds to be completed. I think now we have, let's see, a short sale. Yeah. Fannie Mae says four years. FHA says three years. VA says two years. And USDA says three years. So that's what you get. That's, that's current day today being 2019. Okay. So let's go forward. <clears throat> There's no exceptions or, uh, or for extenuating circumstances. And that, that's in the past, you know, nowadays they do look at extenuating circumstances for those short sales to, you know, if there was like a death, let's say the, let's say the, whoever was the primary wager into the house died in some kind of freak accident or whatever, and you had no money, you know, or what do you do, right? So it's kind of things like that they, they take those into consideration. They are hard to, you know, give out a buy any Freddie, but you know, if you build enough uh, evidence to prove, you know, that this was not, you know, like your, your fault, I guess you want to call it. <laughs> but I digress, sorry. We go forward. The Mortgage Forgiveness Debt Relief Act of 2007. This is a good one to know about. When a lender decided to forgive, which is the short sale was forgiveness of debt, forgive all or a portion of the debt and accept less, the, for, uh, the forgiven amount is considered as income for the borrower, leaving it open to be taxed. So if you have debt forgiveness, means somebody forgave you debt, it's like a gift. So basically the IRS wants some money. Right. However, the Mortgage Forgiveness Debt Relief Act of 2007 contained amendments to remove such tax liability, allowing the borrower and the lender to work together to fund solution beneficial to both parties. What that means is that okay, you lost your house now, right? Because you had to sell it or short sell. You had no money because you're broke, or you know, getting way less, 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 right? Money wise. Now you get a tax bill saying, "Oh, you owe me money for the we forgave." Like what the heck? I'm already dying. I'm going to put some more. You know, <laughs> yeah, scary. Okay, there are still. So we're on page 20, 221, bankruptcy mortgage relief. And here's, here's some interesting stuff for you. You gotta be very careful in this section. Currently, bankruptcy offers very limited protection to a homeowner who is upside down with his or her payment. The borrower can file Chapter 7, which depends on the state bankruptcy law, will most likely require him or her to surrender the property to the bankruptcy court or file Chapter 13 debt repayment plan to spread out. Uh, prior delinquent, uh, delinquent payments over a number of months or years in the future. However, no bankruptcy proceeds can modify the terms of existing home loans or on a principal residence. Legislation is being proposed to Congress that would allow bankruptcy judges to modify the terms of an existing mortgage loan. I would not hold my breath. So here's what happens. So if you have a bankruptcy judge modifying mortgage notes, 
Whew, that's a moist lender. That's that. That's a problem because you got somebody out there, you know, who uh, <laughs> is messing around with your, your, you know, your your loans and your, you know, what you're selling to other people. Remember to when you do a home loan, it, most lenders don't keep those loans; they sell them off to somebody else to service them. And also sell sell off the uh, some of the parts of it. They can get diced up pretty bad, you know, pretty interesting on what happens to a home loan, how how it gets paid out to all the investors, right? So if you have a bankruptcy judge saying, okay, we're going to modify this loan to be, you know to a 40 year loan and 2% interest rate. Oh my God. You know, those investors who bought that loan are pissed off. Right. Cause they, you know, so it's basically, uh, you know, or having somebody else, you know, dictate their returns their money. So the banking world was not happy with that. So it's only makes you get that two cents there. Let's see. Uh, da, 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 where'd I go? And cause legislation. Okay. We've got that. Okay. Good, cool. So how long before you can buy another home after bankruptcy? Okay. Bankruptcy is a whole nother conversation we've had before, but let's keep going back to this one. The current guidelines from Fannie and Freddie Mac stating the waiting period for Chapter 7 bankruptcy is four years from either the dismissal or discharge date. The exception or the exception for extenuating circumstances two years. Let's see if that's still correct. Let's see. Uh, chapter, chapter 7 for Fannie is four years. Chapter 7 for FHA is two years. VA is two years. And USDA is three years. That's a Chapter 7 bankruptcy, okay? And that's 2019. Uh, uh, wait periods, right? So let's keep going forward. The current guidelines state the waiting period for Chapter 13 bankruptcy is two years from either dismissal or discharge. There's no exception for extended success. So 13 is when you actually make a repayment plan to pay back your creditors, not the full dollars, but you know most of the dollars, right? Now 13 for like an FHA would say, you know, 2019 is that after you've made one year of payments on time, you go back to the courts and ask them, you know, if they allow you to jump back into a mortgage. I don't know. I've, I've never <laughs> seen anybody do that, but it's probably somebody has done it. But trying to go back in front of that judge is kind of like going, what the heck, right? And then your credit is going to say, hmm, you can pay payments and pay me the rest of my money, right? So, uh, eh, that's an idea, right? Let's keep going forward. So, in the case of multiple bankruptcies, the current guidelines state that the waiting period is five years. This is actually from the book for 2008, for the most recent discharge or dismissal. The exception, the exception for Extenuating circumstances, three years from the most recent discharges are date. Let's see what was here. So, um, so here's so Fannie Mae says multiple bankruptcies, five years. FHA doesn't have a rule. VA and USA do not have a rule on that. So kind of gives you an idea there how it plays out. The exception for, the exception for extenuating circumstances in the case of multiple bankruptcy is three years. Let's see what says up here now. Uh, that still that still plays true. The exception, okay, da, 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 okay, let's keep on. Page 222, here we go. Here's a credit tip from Linda in a box. If you are facing foreclosure, short sale, or bankruptcy due to circumstances of losing a job, medical crisis, the subprime mortgage crisis fallout, which is the you know bad loans for people who had horrible credit, I suggested that you, I suggest that you fully document your experience starting now. It's not recommended to wait until later because you decide to apply for a loan in two years based on an extenuating circumstance claim. The details and emotional energy of what you are going through will be difficult to document and prove down the road. So it's basically getting now so you, you're actually in the heat of the moment and you write down the notes because you try to go back and go, oh, how'd that happen? You know, it's kind of hard to bring it back up and prove it, right? So it's better to do it in the heat of the moment. Okay, out of the box. There is good news. Aging out in all instances above where I reference how many points 
will be lost in each scenario. It's important to understand that over time, all derogatory counts age out. That means they fall off or are less effective to your, to your um, credit score. This means that the older the count, the less it hurts. That's what I said. Sorry. <laughs> I should have waited for her. <laughs> Next bullet. Seven-year reporting period. The law states that derogatory items can be reported, for, reported from seven to ten years. It doesn't state that they must be. So basically, that's, that's kind of like up to the credit tour who's ever reporting it to, you know, how, they want, how long they want to report it, right? My experience proves over and over again that there is no need to wait out to seven years. You don't have to. You can start seeking early removal of items by disputing on a credit bureau to the credit bureaus that the report, uh, the reporting, uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> back up, disputing to the credit bureaus that are reporting it. In many instances, the items will be deleted after three to four years. Yeah, I can see that too. <laughs> you can start recovering and rebuilding immediately. The book proves, provides dozens of tips and tools to help you rebuild credit. For the most up-to-date information for recovering the current credit markets, please visit, so I'm not sure if the site's still alive, but try it out, http colon slash slash www.lindaferrari.com. Right now she's a realtor. I'm not sure if she still has her, her credit stuff up or for the book stuff. So I think she has some stuff up there, but check it out. I would also say go to the um, WFTC, Federal Trade Commission, that's their initials, right, .gov. Go out there and check it out because that's the people who regulate credit. So FTC.gov is your your um, your government, you know, and they're going to tell you, you know, from their standpoint, okay. But I'll check Linda's house up because I like her Linda. <laughs> which, which is the best choice to protect credit scores? Each of the scenarios I have presented in the chapter has a specific impact to credit scores, but it's important that each individual understands this is a very personal decision. A borrower must weigh the impacts of such critical decision will have on family, employment, and future financial stability. If you go into the finance world, some, you know, or insurance world or whatever, where you're, you're, you're basically a uh, financial, dis, you know, financial, financial responsibility, somebody else's, you know, well-being kind of thing, you'll call about it, that they do sometimes check credit and see if you are, you know, if you have, if you have horrible credit, they're going to say, ooh, I'm not sure I want you here because, you know. You may make a good decision personally, and you may not good decision, you know, not personally. So that's what you may run across, and that's what I say about employment piece. Okay, but above all, consumers should not be afraid to ask and find out what options are available. Many consumers mistakenly assume that there are specific laws. Taking my book in the right position here, laws that, that and policies set in place that govern this action of lender, creditor, and credit bureaus. However, in many instances, they are in the gray as much as the consumer. So homeowners in trouble should not feel intimidated by them. If a plan sounds logical, then the borrower should do the research, lay out the plan, and present it to the lender. With so many Americans in trouble, this is a time when real solutions are necessary to our economy. By creating solutions, there is a chance we can bring out, so we, we can bring out we can bring about <laughs> changes in, le in legislation that can help millions of consumers. Also, I, mean, I just want to point back out again, this book was written in 2008, kind of period, two, six, seven, and eight. So it's, it's, it's dated, in reference to some data, but it's still real good data. So I don't, I don't want to, to um, you know, dilute her good information. Just have to make sure you know that <laughs> some stuff is a little bit back in the 2008 period. Okay, so here's, here's the real deal. I like that, the real deal part. Over many years of credit, in the credit business, Linda, 
I've seen much devastation in credit scores, the resulting economic, the results of economic crisis. I have never witnessed such a dramatic impact across the wide cross section of people as the current mortgage debacle. It is trying the hearts, minds, and financial futures of literally millions of individuals on a daily basis. I suffer, I suffer heartbreak as I speak with countless individuals who have abandoned their last hope of salvation, their home ownership, and now fighting to save their credit. They're strong and they will overcome this struggle because they are proactive. They are wise and they know that they, they can take steps to mitigate the damage and recover to, and, and recover to come back stronger than ever. My advice to any homeowner in the verge of foreclosure is, first and foremost, find out what options are available. Do the research, consult an expert, gather as much information as possible, and weigh the pros and cons. What may seem to be the best answer right now may have serious impact for many years to come. So make an educated decision. The great news is that whatever decision you make, however fate falls upon your credit score right now, you can start improving your situation immediately. So that's the end of chapter 19. I'm going to cut off here, and we'll, go, we'll start again in chapter 20 for the next section. Thanks.